Hello and welcome back to another episode of Premier Talk. This one's called Gunner's Partey. I'm your host, Andrew Mello, and alongside with me, as always, is Daniel Barbudo. Today, we've got a special guest, Thomas Pokernick. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here, and uh, I'm excited to start talking about the Prem. Daniel, give, give, your, uh, give your buddy an introduction here, because you know him better than I do. So. So Thomas is a fellow sports media student with Andrew and I am in media production. Uh, he's a great friend of mine, but sadly he's an Arsenal fan. So as, uh, as bad as the defeat was this week, we still have to have him on the podcast. Yeah, I was going to ask you, um, I, I missed the game last week. Would you <laughs> mind telling me how it ended, Barbs? I, I can't seem to remember. You know, I think I just had a little, little relapse quickly. So Yeah, maybe, maybe uh, we'll get into it sometime in the episode. We'll see. I, I, ho- I hope not, but I, I have a good feeling we will be. Yeah, we got a we got a jam packed episode today. It's it's gonna be a good one, especially with uh, Pac being here. Uh, so our starting lineup today, we got match day seven recap. We have our gunner Partey with guest Thomas Pokernick. Uh Champions League recap, and as always, our Europa League recap. Okay, so Daniel and Pac, let's let's start off here with uh, match day seven recap. Friday, October thirtieth, we had the Wolves going against Crystal Palace. Nuri, the 19-year-old Frenchman, he's, you know, we talked about him in our first episode in the transfer segment, how, you know, we weren't sure if he was going to pan out well for, for the Wolves, and they got rid of, you know, a young talent in Vinag. But, you know, they bring in Nuri, they give him the start this week, and uh, he gets a goal in the 18th minute, and uh, Podence in the 27th, so they won that one 2-0. Um, Nelson Smith had a great game, you know, he was great down the flank, um, along with Nuri, and, um, you know, Wolves are starting to find their form. They have three wins in their last four with a tie, so Wolves are looking good. Yeah, it's good to see this, and I also like uh, Smed. He got he won man of the match in this game. What? Um, I, Smed? Smed? Yeah. <laughs> Smed, man. Smed. Yeah, I'm not Portuguese. Smed. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, uh, just just a great game from Wolves. Um, you know, just just solid game, and they're, they're starting to find their form finally. Uh, we'll go to now to uh, Saturday, October the 31st, Halloween. We had three games on Sunday. Uh, Daniel, start off with the Sheffield game there. So we had Sheffield City. City ended up taking this one, one nothing, uh, from a goal from, from Kyle Walker. It was uh, a lovely shot from outside the box right along the ground. Uh, Ramsdale saw it, but it was a little bit too late. He didn't really have a chance at saving it because of how well-placed the shot was. Um, but I think that City's still struggling a little bit. Like like the last couple weeks, it's been City coming out on top against uh, lower-tier uh, lower teams and... It's like City winning one nothing against Sheffield is is not something you would usually see from a City team. Usually a City team goes out against Sheffield and they'll beat them two nothing, three nothing, four nothing. And uh, I don't know. I just I don't think that City's uh, playing as well this year as they usually are. So it's kind of it's kind of weird to see. Um, I, I don't know what Fuck, needs like, to be I done. I want to hear you chime in here. Like, what do you, what do you think the issue is with uh, City right now? Because you know they've obviously spent the money, but they're not getting you know those results that we typically see them where they usually smash it over to your side. Yeah, this is a city game where normally, like you said, Barb's, they can take this one five, six, nothing. They're known to blitz teams in the past. And it's, it's certainly not a lack of attacking power. I mean, you got Aguero, you got Sterling. I know Aguero hasn't been entirely fit this season, but regardless, the, their options are pretty much endless on this team, whether it be Mares, Bernardo Silva. Um, they lost Sané over the transfer window, obviously to Bayern Munich and, he's a fantastic player, but 
that that shouldn't be an excuse. And they even they even brought in Ferran Torres uh, this summer. So I don't know I don't know what it is that exactly is their problem. Um, but they're not generating the chances. They're not looking as clinical. And and honestly, if, as an Arsenal fan, you know we we are already lost the city one nothing this year. But they just seem to be to be lacking that that real threat going forward, and I'm not I'm not really as scared as them this year, and I think they they should be in in the same category as as a Chelsea or, or a Man United as, as a team that's you know we don't really know if they're gonna 100% secure the top four because they have not looked like a title contender this far. Yeah, it's it's very true. Um, you know, stack they got a stack team as you said. It just they just look unconvincing so far, and. You think with the with the roster they have and also the depth that they have that they'd be doing much better, but it's not that it's not the case yet. And you know maybe maybe they will find their form, and I think they will because you know they have a, a world class coach in Pep. So I think they'll I think they'll be okay. I hope for their sake that they are because, like you said, world class coach. They're spending so much money on their players. Like their team has expectations to go out and perform and win every single week. And uh, I just hope for their sake that they can do that and hopefully uh, start moving up the table and contend with the likes of Liverpool and, and whoever else is, is, uh, is up high in the, in the Prem. Mate, London's blue, yeah? Yeah, of course. <laughs> right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take issue to that, but uh, maybe we'll get into that later. I just wanted to tease you there because we're going to go into the Chelsea-Burnley uh, fixture there. Chelsea played away uh, to Burnley. They won that one 3-0. Ziyech in the 26th, Zoom in the 63rd. And you know Werner in the seventieth. In the seventieth, um, overall a great game from the Moroccan international Ziyech. He had a great goal in the first half. Uh, you know, Pope was wrong-footed there, um, but he just managed to slip one through, uh, low-driven. And then he also got an assist. Uh, lovely uh, play, a lovely through ball to Timo. And uh, you know the German made no mistake at that opportunity. He's very clinical in front of goal, and uh, when he gets chances like that, he's just going to bury them every single time because he's got that status to him, and he's 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 at that level where. You know, he's not, he's not going to miss those ones, especially against a lower-tier side in Burnley, and they just want to kill teams like that. And, 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 you know, it was a great momentum for them uh, going forward. So, you know, overall a great game. And obviously, uh, you know, another clean sheet for the Blues. Uh, Edward Mendy, you know, the defense is playing, you know, the defense has brought up that level once again. But, you know, the, the keeper, he, he's, he's been making some key saves. You saw last week out, uh, two weeks out uh, against uh, Manchester United. Chelsea played very well. So... You know, it's just overall, it's starting to come together for Frank Lampard's side. Uh, like, what do you guys think? Do you guys think that um, you guys think that Chelsea's defensive struggles are over? Do you think that, they, that they're going to start building from this result and moving forward? Yeah, I definitely think that they are. Uh, I'm going to ask Pac here quickly in a second. Uh, just like last week when we brought up the stat where Edouard Mendy was, had his last five uh, starts, he's, he's all had clean sheets. He came out and won another one this week, making it six. Uh, Pac, just a quick question for you. I believe, and I think so does Andrew, that uh, that Chelsea's goalkeeping struggles are over with Edouard Mendy. Do you think that, do you, do you, do you agree with this? Or do you think that uh, you maybe give him a little bit more time to see how he does in the Prem? Or or is this this finally um, finally finding uh, a solution to their goalkeeping problems? Yeah, listen, it uh, it pains me to say this, but we know how good Chelsea has been going forward for, for several years. They have, whether it have been Hazard a couple of years ago or now with the likes of Werner, you know, Havertz is slowly coming on. Uh, Ziyech as well looks, you know, he's picking up form. The the goalkeeping and, and the defensive area of Chelsea was the one Achilles heel of this team. It was the only way for them to, to fall in, in small games and, and drop points where they shouldn't. And, and then they turn up against big clubs, but then Kepa would let them down. 
but this guy, Edward Mendy, finally looks like a long-term solution to, to their goalkeeping problems. Like you said, five straight games, clean sheets. He's just – he's turned this team around. Um, so I think he's definitely solved their issue. I'm still not very confident with them at, at center back. I think they, they have a little bit of work to do. The Thiago Silva signing, I didn't really understand. I think his best days are behind him. But you know what? Credit to him and credit to Frank Lampard and, and the Chelsea board for getting this done. I think they can forget about Kepa and, and look to, to Mendy in the long term. Yeah, like you mentioned Kepa there at the end, like let go of Kepa. Um, I, I don't think it's as simple as that because, you know, Kep is there, still fairly young. He's in his early 20s. Goalkeepers typically hit their prime, uh, you know, 28, 27, around there. Even later, some goalies, um, it's, just, it's just a different prime opposed to midfielders and attacking players. And, and I think it's, you know, you spend that big sum of money, that big chunk of change on him, like 70 mil, 80 mil we're talking. You, you just can't let him go for, you know, let him go and just – just sell him for half of that price because that'd be a that'd be a substantial loss for the club. I think he's still, you know, he's talented. I think it's just a, an issue of confidence with him because he, he you see sometimes like at times he's very he's very good in front of goal, but when he's down on himself, that's when he's in that in that lull, uh, if you want to call it. It's very hard for him to to you know pick up his head. I, I think that there's still hope for Kepa, and I think that if you give him a, a loan spell at a decent club, then he can pick it up because mm-hmm. you know Edward Mendy's 28. He, you know, he's eventually going to go. And when he does, you know, Kepa should be the replacement for him. Mm-hmm. I like that you said the price tag too, because I feel as a player, like sometimes the price tag that gets put on you can be like, it could be rewarding, but at the same time, it can be like a, a negative thing. Like when you're going and you're a goal, goalie and you're getting paid, teams are paying 80 million for you. You're like, wow, like I'm worth $80 million. It's kind of like, it could be shocking to him almost. So he's like, I know I have to go out and perform every single week. And then when you start, dropping points because of errors you're making it's like am i worth that 80 million anymore it's like so i feel like that kind of plays like like it keeps keeps spinning in his head of this, this almost reminds you this reminds me of another player um yeah. he, plays for, he plays for manchester united maybe the captain of manchester united yeah, yeah, yeah. Scary, scary Maguire, you know 80 mil for him eh? but it, oh, it, man. It's, it's the exact same thing though it's like is is because obviously i don't think i think in the english market you're gonna look to to sign english players players are always gonna be inflated it's literally just what happens and when you're signing so, like somebody like harry Maguire for 80 million he went on and he was he was a great center back for the the english squad and he even played fantastic on leicester but i think even it's like the price tag getting to, to players because their lack of confidence it's it's they go and they start dropping points because of errors that they're making they're gonna wonder are they worth that 80 million anymore i i agree 100 it definitely adds a lot of pressure um 80 million price tag, 7 million pound price tag. You're expected to perform right away. And if you just wait, let's look at Chelsea on the topic. Havertz, he's, he's picked up form recently, but his first game was, he was shocking. And right away, he's, he's what, 20 years old and people are already having to go at him. And, and I think that's, it's unfair. But at the same time, when the club spends a certain amount of money on a player, they do expect immediate results. And, and Andrew, you said it perfectly because goalkeepers tend to take a little bit longer to reach their prime. You know, we see outfield players, you're at that 24, 25 age. Goalkeepers, they take a little longer and, and they last a little longer as well. So I wouldn't completely write Kepa off, but in, in, in one year, he's shown me many reasons to at least worry. So true there. We're going to go to uh, Liverpool now. Liverpool, they played against West Ham. Last week, you know, me and Daniel were talking about this at the end of the episode. I, I predicted West Ham to actually beat Liverpool due to their 
you know, defensive struggles right now. And uh, they brought in Nathaniel Phillips. You know, he's, he's been through the club, the youth ranks and whatnot. Um, and he's also been loaned out to Stuttgart of Germany. So he's got some experience there. And he was able to get the start this week um, at center back. And, uh, you know, West Ham, they drew first blood uh, with the Pablo Fernal's goal. Um, but then Liverpool settles in, into the game. You know, Salah got taken down by uh, Mazuaku. I thought it was relatively weak of a challenge. You know, he got brushed in the box. He fell down. You know, it's casual for, for players to do that now in today's game. Uh, he made no mistake of the penalty. And then I saw the Jota goal. I was really impressed with this. Um, Jota was brought on alongside with uh, Shredan Shakiri, the, the Swiss international. Uh, and uh, he scored in the 85th. And it was just a lovely play because... You know, West Ham with that five back that they've that they've grown to, you know, use game in, game out. Uh, they're very hard to break down. And uh, David Moyes has implemented that. And, you know, teams, teams, even the big teams sometimes struggle to penetrate their their 18 yard box. And, and it was just like a quick uh, decision by Shakiri to, you know, feed uh, a, a through ball in between a couple of defenders. And, you know, Jota in the form he's been lately, he he made no mistake of that. And the Portuguese international, you know, he's on, he's on a hot streak right now. So. Just, just impressive from a Liverpool side that has, you know, no Van Dyke and uh, no Joel Matip at the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, I think uh, Jota's been on great form recently. Uh, just a quick little stat. Uh, since joining Liverpool, he already has seven goals. And uh, Firmino had, had five goals all year for Liverpool in 2020. So it's kind of shocking to see. I don't know if, uh, if Jota might take, take Firmino's place as maybe a central player or they'll move Jota out wide and play someone like Mane or Salah up top. But it's all decisions that uh, that Klopp needs to make because when you look at a player that you just signed, he's already scoring more goals than your than your number nine. It's uh, you got to you got to take a look at, at your starting eleven. So 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 Pac, what, what would you do if you're Klopp? You, you know, you get you get his job. You know, you have you have uh, Jota at your disposal. You have Firmino. Who are you starting in this situation? Are you starting Jota up top, or are you going to give Firmino the nod? I mean, on, on current form, I'm going to have to go with Jota, but. I think this is a great problem to have. And I don't necessarily think that Jota's form means that Firmino no longer has a place in the squad. You know, Barb's, you brought up how he only scored five goals all last season. I think a player like Firmino, his role in the team goes so much more than just scoring goals. He's so important in their buildup. You know, he comes down, holds up the play, lets Salah and Mane get in behind. Um, he's just, an, he's an integral part of, of their attack. And you, you look at now Jota's emergence, I think it's great for them because it, it allows either Salah, Mane, or Firmino to all have a rest. They're playing one game a week in the Premier League. They're playing one game a week in the Champions League because of its later start. Mm-hmm. I think this is the perfect signing for Liverpool. I don't think it's going to cost Firmino a spot. I don't think it's going to cost Mane, Salah, either of them. I think there's a place for all four of them to rotate and get in the squad. I think it's only going to help Liverpool going forward. Yeah, like... You mentioned you mentioned the play style of Liverpool there in their front three and how Firmino is that sort of, you know, he's he's a false nine. That's really what he is. Um, you know, their job is to you know obviously feed the wingers, the very talented wingers in Salah and Mane, and um, you know obviously he's gonna get chances to score and you know four goals is not impressive when you hear it, but you, you have to take into account his presence up there and and who he's you know who he's slotted uh, up top with. People are gonna be quick to bash Firmino and you know say he he's not he's not gonna be he's not good enough to be in our lineup right now and um, w- especially with Jota being in the form that he is. But I think players like Jota they're really important because you you could bring them off the bench and when your team's in lulls or they're 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 not playing up to you know their potential and they need something they need that switch in the game. It, it's almost great to have a player like Jota come off the bench because he brings that spark he brings that energy 
And, uh, you know, that's exactly what he did in this West Ham game. He came on and he had an immediate impact. And sometimes that's what you need off the bench. And I think, you know, Klopp is going to keep utilizing him off the bench. Yeah, I hope he does because uh, obviously he's run a form. Just one thing I want to move on to here. Uh, Liverpool's rumored to sign Alaba. Uh, Alaba is a 28-year-old center back from uh, Bayern Munich. I think that it would be a, a good signing for Liverpool because uh, with Van Dijk being injured right now and they can sign him in the January transfer window, Van Dijk is most likely looking to be gone for like six to eight months. So if he's going to be gone for that long, like they're, they're going to need a, a center back to, to come in and fill his spot. Um, Pac, I'll, I'll ask both of you, actually. Who do you guys think, uh, what Premier League team could use Alaba alongside Liverpool? Because I think Alaba's a, a world-class centre-back. Do you think that anybody else needs him right now? Um, you're calling Alaba a world-class centre-back. I'll go as far to say, just to call him a world-class player, um, the versatility that he brings to his side. He can play in the midfield. He can play on the left. He can take set pieces. He's just, he's an incredible player. Someone that I've, I've really rated for a long time. And I think Byron... Um, I know the contract situation there is a little shady, but if they were to lose him, that would be a serious dent in their team, first of all. Uh, you look at the Premier League, I think any team would love to have him. Obviously, Liverpool's probably uh, the best fit just because Van Dijk went down. But you got to look at a team like Man City that's really struggled in the back. I knew uh, they brought in uh, someone that Andrew's a, a big fan of. Ruben Diaz, yeah. In, in the Portuguese international for, for a big chunk of money. So... Um, I don't know if they're going to be really willing to to spend there, but also Chelsea. I mentioned earlier that I don't think they have uh, the best center back pairing in, in the league. And I think any other team other than that, he's almost above their level. I don't think, I, I don't think he'd be interested in wanting to come to an Arsenal or a Manchester United. I think the the stage that those clubs are at just does not suit his ambition. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to look at the top three there in uh, city, Liverpool and and Chelsea. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you, Pac, because, you know, I, I don't think it's not ideal for him to go to a Manchester United right now or an Arsenal. You know, they're still they're still trying to find their, their way with their new coaches, uh, with the new coach in Arteta. And, you know, uh, Ole's trying to ba- manage some younger players there as well. So I don't think those clubs are ideal for him. I think the ideal club for him would be Liverpool, no doubt about it, because there's versatility with him, like you said as well, Pac. And say when, you know, one day when, when Van Dyke's back and, you know, Joe, uh, Joe Gomez is having a good run of form, you could play them at the center back uh, position. And then, you know, a lot of it could slot where you could slot down the middle of the park alongside, you know, uh, a, a Jeannie Vinaldum or, or a Henderson, you know what I mean? So I think that would be the best for, for him. And I think he would get really, you'd get along really well with uh, Jurgen Klopp. Um, so yeah, I'm going to have to go with Liverpool because th- they would, they would immediately need him right now. But, uh, yeah, the other teams are just – they're just not at his level. And, uh, it, you know, I was reading a report that um, in terms of Alaba and his contract, like they, they offered him a contract, I believe it was two, 250K a week, and he's asking for, I think, above 300. So uh, the, the, the president of Byron came out and he said, yeah, we, we're, we're just not going to bother anymore with the contract talk. So it looks like he's really going to leave. And then I read a report today saying that he, was, he might end up in Spain, uh, either out of Barcelona or Real Madrid, uh, at Real Madrid. So I don't know. We, do, we don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be an interesting you know, time period when he's a free agent because the, the world's top clubs are going to – everyone's going to want him because he's an elite player. Yeah, so I like how you said the, the, the price tag that Alaba wants because he's asking for uh, 300,000 pounds a week, which is a lot. And if you look at some of the players that are getting that money, like you're, you're looking at world-class, uh, world-class players. But That's obviously – like, Okay, well, then, then you take into consideration uh, the Premier League clubs that have way too much money and they just like dishing out money. Like, uh, but, but if, if, if uh, you know, 
Cavani, he's 33 and he's getting paid 250 pounds a week. Why can't Manchester mm-hmm. United splash 300? No, no, no. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying though. He has he has the the right to be asking that type of money because he he's a fantastic player. He's very versatile, like Pox said. He can play anywhere, and he just won the Champions League too. So like, how can you, as a as a center back going on 29, you 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 kind of deserve that amount of money. You're 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 just maybe at like the edge of his prime prime years, but he's still a fantastic player. And I think that he does deserve the money he's asking. It's just what team is willing to give to him. Yeah. We're going to go into Sunday, November 1st, uh, the last round of games here uh, alongside Monday, but on Sunday, November the 1st, we had Brighton, uh, Hove Albion against Tottenham Hotspurs. You know, this was, this was an interesting match because it, it, it went down to the wire. Uh, Kane was fouled just inside the 18 yard box. Um, and, you know, he, he went up for a header, got hit from behind, went down, it was an obvious penalty, but it was just on the border of the of the box there. But, you know, nonetheless, the referee gave him the penalty spot kick, and uh, he made no mistake of that. They made it 1-0. And then later in the match, uh, Tariq Lamptey, you know, he's, he's, he's been sought out by many big clubs throughout Europe, the former Chelsea product there, the right wing back. You know, it was just a lovely build-up play from uh, Brian Hove Albion, and then they moved the ball over to the right side of the box where Tariq Lamptey was, you know, he was unmarked. There was terrible defending from Tottenham. And uh, he just made no mistake at that. And crossbody uh, goal, just lovely finish. And, you know, Tariq Lamptey, if he keeps this up, I don't, I don't see him personally playing much longer at Brighton Hove Albion because he, he's going to be above their level soon. And he's just overall uh, a, great, a great option on the right-hand side. And then, you know, late in that match, Bale, Bale's back. 73rd minute, you know, he, he crushed Brighton Hove Albion's hopes there. Um, just a cross came in and Bale headed it in. And, you know, it's great to see. Great to see uh, Bale, uh, you know, to get back on the score sheet, especially with his former club in Tottenham Hotspur, because it was very sad to see him, you know, in the situation in Madrid and constantly sitting on that bench and not getting minutes because, you know, he's world class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you, I, I'm, I'm happy for Bale to see him back on the score sheet because I think he deserves it. And I think he really likes uh, his, his playing back at his former club, which is Tottenham. And uh, for me, this is just a, a good Tottenham win. I think that they were favored in this match to be Brighton, and I'm glad that they came out and, uh, and did what was expected. We're going to Newcastle and Everton now. Newcastle, they've been, uh, they've been getting the results of late. Uh, Callum Wilson, he had a brace here in the 56th and the 84th. Um, they won that one 2-1. Uh, it's Everton's second straight loss. Um, Pac, what do, you, what do you think about Everton? Do you think this is just like a low point for them? Do you think they're going to bounce back and continue on the way they, as, the, as they have started in the season? Or do you think they're going to continue just to struggle to win games? Listen, I think that they're, they're somewhere in between the team that started and the team that, that's playing now. I don't think they're as good as the year four and start where we thought, okay, you know what, maybe they'll even push for the top four. Yeah, this we'll, year we'll, do that. we'll do that again because you liked a bit. I don't know. Oh, I, I liked? Yeah, because yeah, oh, okay. you clicked. Yeah. yeah. We'll do that again. Go ahead. Okay. I, th- I think with Everton, I don't think they're as good as their start indicated, but I don't think they're as poor as, as their current form. You look at the signings that this club made over the summer to completely um, completely transform their midfield. I thought James Rodriguez was amazing. I, st- I think that's a player that still has a lot in the tank. Um, guys like Alan Ducure over from Watford. I think they're going to comp- compete in the Premier League. I don't think that they're going to be a team that uh, of, of recent years where they disappoint. But I think overall, they're not going to be good enough to push for top four, like we may have thought early on in the year. I think they'll end up around, you know, the, the eight or nine or, or even, even seven spot this year. But still a solid side, and they'll, they'll give a lot of teams headaches, especially when teams like Manchester United, I know they play this weekend, or Chelsea uh, come to town. Daniel, do you think eighth place is a fair finish for them? Uh, do you agree with Pac, or do you think they're going to finish lower or higher? 
I'm hoping that they finish a little bit higher because like, like Fox said, I think that uh, the signings they made puts them into contention of, of a top six team. Um, it, uh, I know uh, you look at uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin and you look at Richarlison and James all playing up top and they're, they're, they've been, they were scoring goals and now they're starting to slow down. I don't know if that's just, they're playing every single game. They're playing week in, week out, which as a professional player, you should be expected to do, but sometimes it can get to players. Um, I don't know. This isn't a good look for Everton, especially losing to Newcastle, but I'm hoping that they can uh, step it up and, and march back up the table. Uh, we had an absolute goal fest. Um, Southampton against Villa. Villa, you know, they've been, they've been winning their games as well. They were at first at one point in the Premier League this season, undefeated through four games. But now, you know, they lost this one against Southampton. Southampton, you know, two good results. They won last week against uh, the Toffees. And then this week they go to play Villa and they beat them 4-3 to three in an absolute goal fest. Um, James Ward prowse uh, the captain of Southampton, he had a brace there, uh, both free kicks. They were absolute screamers. Um, just overall amazing free kicks. Some of the best I've seen in a long time. He's just, he's just a set piece specialist. And uh, he's, you know, he's been leading that team very well. I remember years back, uh, when he was starting to merge on the squad and find his place in the 11, uh, I was looking at him like this guy's going to be a great player. And uh, sure enough, he, you know, he's been a good player. He's been good for, you know, the level of Southampton. I think he'll be, I think he'll be there for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I think that uh, he's a fantastic player and to score two free kicks and both of them were on his birthday as well. And he got an assist on the Danny Ings uh, fourth goal. And that Danny Ings fourth goal was, was an absolute, like all these goals were absolutely fantastic. Ings cut in from the right side onto his right foot and sorry, he cut in from the left side onto his right foot and he smashed the top corner bar down. It was, it was an absolute screamer. And Southampton actually led this game for nothing. And then Villa marched back and they scored a goal in the 60th and then a goal in the 90th plus three and then a goal in the 90th plus seven. So I don't know. Does it kind of show Villa's resilience here marching back in a game that they're losing for nothing? Uh, I don't know. I, I think Villa, you talk about resilience. They were a team that just escaped relegation last year. I think they ended up uh, being saved by one or two points, and and they made some great signings over this uh, over the summer. They brought in Emmy Martinez from Arsenal. They got Jack Grealish to stick around. So I think when it comes to Villa, they're going to be a team that is is. I don't think again similar to Everton, they're not going to be as as good as their three four and zero start. But I think they have a lot to offer in the Premier League, and and can definitely push for at least target the top half of the table. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, just the way they started, you know, they got they got some talent there, but you also see over the last couple of games, they, they show their struggles defensively. Um, you know, there's some liabilities back there. Target's been beat a couple of times, and so has, you know, their leader at the back, um, Tyrone Ming. So you, these guys still have to mature. They're young players, and, uh, you know, that has to be taken into account. Um, and I think it was, you know, a little bit of false hype at the start with them winning those games. I, I wasn't expecting them to, you know, continue on that. But I also don't see them to finish below table because I think that, um, you know, they're hungry. They're a hungry team this year, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to move on here to the Fulham-West Brom game. Uh, Fulham came out on top of this one, 2 nothing. It was a very big game, especially for both these teams, because they're both sitting in relegation right now and they're hoping to 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 grab the three points and kind of squeak out a relegation. Uh, the first goal was scored by Bobby Reed, uh, which was a header back from uh, Bobby, <laughs> which is a, a header back into the box and then headed into the net. And then the second goal was like an another another screamer from Ola Ena, um, who's a right back for Fulham. So to see your right back um, coming up the field and and scoring an absolute banger like he did, it was it was a it was a fantastic strike. 
Yeah, I was just it was just um like you said before, it was just a huge game for for uh Fulham to win because you know, they they were struggling to to score any sort of they're they're struggling to create any sort of chance. Um and and then for them to go and be, you know, a, a team that's going to be fighting for that relegation to fight to, fight to stay afloat rather. Uh it was huge for Fulham and the London base London base side to get that win in a scrappy scrappy game. Okay, so the last game on Monday was Leeds Leicester. Uh, Leicester ended up coming out on top 4-1 to one with a goal from Vardy and then two goals from Tillemans, which Tillemans being a center mid, you're expecting Vardy to score uh, more, but Tillemans coming out and scoring some goals, it's it's good to see from a Leicester squad because I feel like Leicester's sort of in the same situation as Tottenham where it's like majority of their goals are for Tottenham's, it's uh, Hingman's son and uh, Kane and, and Leicester. It's, it's mostly Vardy scoring goals, so getting some contribution from the midfield is is definitely good. And uh, I just wanted to point out here quickly that last week when we were doing some predictions, it was uh, my dark horse over uh, Andrew's dark horse. And it uh, looks like my dark horse came out on top. Yeah, you know, doesn't look good for me right now. But, uh, you know, I still got my faith in Leeds, you know. Marcelo Bielsa is an amazing coach. Um, and, you know, they have some talented, talented players. And, you know, Patrick Bamford, he's been playing tremendously uh, uh, to start the season. And Rodrigo just behind them as well. You know, I think that um, Leeds will continue to to be a difficult opponent. Um, you know, I don't predict them to go like a crazy like top eight, but I see them finishing um, above above the middle of the table. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, Tillemans, you had a great game there, and you know the guy he used to have like ninety potential on FIFA. You know, like this guy's crazy. So you know, he's got to start. He's got to start. He's got to start scoring some bangers. You know, yeah. So, I'm gonna call you out on on that, Barb's. Uh, you you mentioned that that Leicester was your dark horse. I'm I'm not. Even, are they even allowed to qualify for a dark horse team? This Leicester team was a a side that sat in a Champions League position for maybe 30 game weeks last year before blowing it on the final mm-hmm. day. Final day against Manchester United. I think Leicester Leicester's on the on the same level as as, as your your precious United. I, I think I think they're they're right up there to be a, a top six club, a, a big club because. This team, year in and year out, they just they continue to to you know get results and I yeah, don't that, know, they're, they're that, solid that team. Daniel's Daniel's not as bold as me, you know. I like the yeah, bold. That's a, such a safe oh. pick with Leicester. <laughs> Come on. Uh, we're gonna go into the big match that uh, happened over on Sunday. We didn't forget about it, guys. We want to save it for last. Uh, it was Arsenal against Manchester United. Hawks Arsenal against uh, Daniel Barbudo's Manchester United. Uh, Man United, you know. Sorry, Daniel, man. They just been. Yeah. It's been poor of late, man. 1-0 for Arsenal. Abba, you know, we had a pen in the 69th minute, eh? And, uh, you know, Pogba. I love Pogba. I even got a, you know, I'm a Chelsea guy, but I got a Pogba jersey. I love, I love Pogba. You know, he's got that flair, that skill, that style. But, man, you know, I look at Pogba sometimes and I'm like, this guy's, this guy's super lazy, man. And he just, you know, he tracked back and just, you know, I guess he was tired too. But just a sloppy, sloppy tackle on uh, Hector Bellerin. And, you know, yeah, and, and Arsenal's going to pass up that, that chance. Yeah. Yeah, that leading to the penalty, and you know, Bumyang is a world-class striker. There's, he's not gonna, he's not gonna miss a penalty. Um, and uh, for Arsenal's sake, I'm, I'm glad he did. For United's sake, I'm, I, I wish he had missed it. Um, yeah, like I, I saw the highlights of the game. I was uh, unfortunately I wasn't able to watch it, but from the highlights, I was looking at. It, I'm like, man, Arsenal had some great chances in the first half. Arsenal looked like they could have won this one by you know two goal, three goal margin because. You know, William, he had a great chance on his left foot, smashed it off the bar. So, and Aubameyang missed some some chances. He got a ball second post, and he wasn't able to slide and you know connect with the pass. But overall, just I thought Arsenal deserved to win this game. Pac, what do you think from an Arsenal fan perspective? 
I think uh, Mohamed Al Neni and Thomas Partey need to go home, empty their pockets, and return Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandes <laughs> back to Old Trafford because we we absolutely bullied you in the midfield. And I thought it was, it was a bit of a slow game early on. Both sides looked uh, like they weren't really ready to go for it. But I just think United never quite got going. You didn't really show any threat on on the offensive side. I think. Arsenal was the better team, and, and to get a result away from home against a rival like United was just huge. And I think if we lost that game, that really would have made a big dent in our hopes for top four this year, just because it would have been, I think, three losses in a row. So it, it, was, it was a huge result, and I think very deserved, because United were very, very poor. You know, I like how you said that it was, it was slow, because I know there was uh, former Manchester United now, now legends of the game. Uh, like like Paul Scholes, he was talking about it. How before Manchester, like back in the day when when Manchester United played Arsenal, they they would have fights in the tunnels because the the passion that uh, these players had going out against a rival and they wanted to go and play the best game that they they could because, like I said, it's going out against a rival and you just didn't see that in this game at all. It's it's like two teams. It was like a like a walk in the park for for both of them because it, it was very slow and then teams started to heat up in the second half like. The penalty happened. Arsenal looked like they had uh, they had all the momentum moving forward, and then Manchester United realized that in the 70th minute after this after this penalty that they they need to start playing, and that's when they finally did. But but when you're when you're starting to play the game in the 70th minute, by that time it's it's too late. Um, I, I was just you know this is you know related to Arsenal. Um, you know a couple of weeks back, you know Mesut Ozil was left out of the squad. You know sad to see, man. I really like Mesut, man. He was just just a class player an assist machine and and to see him not even on the bench um you know just super frustrating uh to see as a a, a fan of football because you just you know you just got so much class and you know puck i want to ask you do you think you know obviously right now in the starting lineup there's no spot for him but do you think it's do you think it's justified to keep him out of the the 23-man roster do you think he should be on the bench if you watch arsenal this year you'll you'll realize our one problem and and if you go back years, our problem was always defense. And this year, right now we have the best defensive record in the Premier League. We just went to Old Trafford, kept a clean sheet. This season, our problem is creativity. And you know what? You can say what you want about Mesut Ozil. Like you said about Pogba, he can be a bit lazy. Sometimes he doesn't want to track back. But the one thing he provides is that great work. And, and no one on this team has what he has in, in that quality to pick a pass or, or his vision. So, you know what, maybe he's not good enough to be in the starting lineup, but you cannot convince me that there's 23 better players than Mezzurozo in this club. I 100% think he should at least be on the bench, bring him on, you know, that 65 minute. He's a little fresher than, than everyone else. You know, his work rate can be a little bit better and he can really change a game. So I think Arteta's lying to us personally. I think this is much bigger than football. So I don't know. It, it, like you said, it, it's sad to see. I'm, I'm and, a big Mazzarozzo fan as well. And the guy, you know, he came clutch and he gave uh, Gunnar Soros some, yeah. some some money, man. And like, they're going to let Gunnar mm-hmm. Soros go, the, the mascot of Arsenal. And I thought it was, I, I read it and I was, I was super impressed by, you know, I didn't really know how Mazzarozzo was as a person, but it just goes to show you that he's a class football player and he's also a class individual. Just to do that and, you know, offer some, some of his wage to, to, you know, the mascot of Arsenal due to, you know, COVID, you know, that they said they had to cut him. I don't see how they can't, you know, compensate their mascot. But, you know, it was just overall class from, from Meza to do that. Um, I just want to highlight a quote from Arteta the other day. This is off of Footmob. 
Um, he, this is in regards to the Saliba situation and how uh, you know Saliba has not been featured in the squad. Uh, he says, I'm fed up with the situation because, as you could see, we tried to find a way in the last few days of the transfer window to give him some football. He said that on Wednesday. I explained that he needed that transition year when we decided to buy, for, uh, buy him and send him on loan to Saint-Étienne for many reasons that didn't happen and he didn't have that transition year. Do you guys think that Saliba has a place in the squad or do you think it's right for you know, Arteta to be frustrated and want to see him you know, be on loan? Bach, I'm going to let, uh, let you start and then I'll, I'll try. Yeah, and as an Arsenal fan here, it's, it's frustrating because we're still, we're st- as good as we've been defensively this year, we're still sending out guys like Mustafi out, out onto the field and starting. And, and we have an 18-year-old talent that's uh, hailed to be one of the best in Europe. And I, I'm, I'm so excited to see him, him feature in the team. But like I, he, he's only 18. And I think... As a center back, it takes more and more time rather than just to be a striker and burst onto the scene at 18. You got, you know, that that extra speed. I think defensively, it's a lot harder to get into a team early, especially and to perform of the level of a team with Champions League hopes. So, you know what? I think he's going to be a great player. I think give him time. He's had some personal issues. It's it's tough moving from France to, to a new country. He doesn't speak the language. Give him some time. Send him out on loan. You know, we may need him in, in the team because, like I said, Mustafi is just not cutting it for us. But uh, you know, I see him get some game time elsewhere, at least for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like you, Puck, I agree that he needs to get some some game time elsewhere. I would like for for Arsenal because I think he's a. Uh, like uh, like we've mentioned already on the podcast, we, we enjoy seeing young talent. But if if he's just going to sit there. On the bench for Arsenal, it's it's what there's not going to get any minutes in the in the first team, and he's not going to improve at all. So for me, I, if I'm Arsenal, I'm sending him out on loan to a team that needs a center back. Maybe even if that's like a team in the prem, like a lower lower tier team in the prem that uh, could could need some need some uh, defensive players that can can help can help out a little bit back there. But the one thing I'm not going to do because I know we've discussed this as well is give them the option to buy. Because we were talking, we we spoke about it. Like we spoke about it on the on the first uh, episode of the podcast, Philippe Anderson, um, he he left West Ham, and West Ham left Porto the opportunity. Bro, let, him, to let buy. him rot in Porto, bro. Let him rot in Porto. Okay, Andrew's obviously gonna say that because because <laughs> being a Benfica fan doesn't really care about Porto. But I think that Philippe Anderson is a player that West Ham needs, and they sent him on a loan, and then. They give him the option to buy. And for me, it's the same thing with Arsenal. Saliba is going to be needed eventually. Maybe he's not needed right now in Arsenal. But if they send him out on loan, just please don't give him the option to buy. Yeah, like, you know, I think it's justified for him to go out on loan right now because you look at Arsenal's back line, they play a three-back. Arteta likes using three-back. A lot of teams have been implementing it uh, uh, of late. Uh, but, they, you know, they brought in uh, Gabriel Magalhães from, um, from Lille, the, the, the Brazilian international, and... You know he's 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 inserted himself into the to the starting lineup week in week out because you know he's he's had an effect on the score sheet, but he's also had a great presence at the back there for Arsenal. And then you guys you got guys that are versatile like Kieran Tierney that have been slotted back there because you know Saka plays on the left now, um, and you also got guys like Rob Holding, David Luiz. So you know right now I think those options are are better, and Arteta favors them more than he would an un, unexperienced um, you know center half. 
And uh, I think, you know, Saliba, I, I've been, I've, I haven't really been able to watch him play, but I, but from what I've heard, he's a, he's a, you know, he's, he's a great talent and he's, and he's got some promise to him. So, you know, if that's the case, I, I, he needs minutes at this age to, you know, get that experience and to, to continue to grow. So I, I would definitely, definitely let him go out on loan when January uh, transfer window rolls around. Okay. We're going to go to, you know, a little segment. Since we have Pac on the show, he's, you know, he's a devoted, devoted Arsenal fan. We, we want to do, you know, a little segment, uh, start, start one, bench one, sell one. So I thought of three players. I wanted to make it a little difficult for you, you know, and this is something that they deal with, you know, on a regular basis. Who, who does Arteta put up, up front with Abba? Abba's, you know, you know, it's clear he's going to start in a week in, week out. He's world-class. He's, you know, he's in a sensation up top. But start one, bench one, sell one. You go Lacazette, William, and Pep. Who, who, what are you doing there? Ooh, this is tough. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. Um, I guess I'll, I'll start with speaking on William. I, I, I know you're a fan of Chelsea. I don't know what your thoughts on him. Personally, when they made the signing, I was not the biggest fan of the move. Um, especially talking to Chelsea fans, I was told that he's a guy that, you know, he's got some class in him, but he tends to turn up two or three times a year with these uh, magic performances, and then he can often go missing. And, of course, on his debut, he records three assists, and he looks like the this creative spark in our team that we need. But clearly, since then, he's just been very stagnant. He he doesn't do a lot away from the ball. Um, so I think I'd, I'd cut William. Like I said, I, I didn't think that they even needed to sign him. And personally, uh, Nico Pepe, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of the player. Um, he can be frustrating at times, but he shows these glimpses that he can be a star in the Premier League. So I think I would go in and, and start him. And, and that leaves Lacazette to the bench for me. Um, I, I hate to say this because he seems like a, a great guy for the team, but I don't think the Lacazette signing ever really worked out the way many Arsenal fans thought it would. When we signed him, we thought, finally, he's the answer to what seemed like uh, years and years of, of suffering at the striker position, ever since Van Persie left, really. But but he hasn't really ever been that 15-20 goal scorer in the Premier League. And I think he's he's only 28 years old, but he seems older than that in the way he moves on the field. He seems oftentimes slow or by the 60th, 70th minute, he's tired. Um, but you know what? Similar to a Firmino, he's, he's great at holding up the ball. And he does link up fairly well with Aubameyang. So I think he's good enough to get in over William and at least be on the bench. I know. What do you think uh, with uh, Pac's, you know, uh, statement there? I, I know I, Barb's from right away. He's not a fan of Pepe. He's always wanting to to rip me on seventy two million for this. Yeah, I'm like like Pac said. Uh, for me, the person uh, I'm gonna do, I'd, I'd put Pepe. I'd sell Pepe to be honest with you. Um, like Pac said, I hated that that price tag. I think it's it, it's kind of like the the confidence thing that we talked about earlier though, because he was a, a good player in in the the Liga. And for him to come for, for such a massive price tag um, and then you start playing not up to your greatest abilities and then your confidence starts locking and then everything just starts to go downhill from there. But for me, Pepe was way too much and I don't think that he has uh, the talent that uh, Willian or Laka has. I know Pac said he would, uh, he would sell Willian, but I think that uh, Willian's a proven player in the Prem. And if you look at that, that's uh, something that teams always look for um, because Willian knows what it takes uh, to win because he's won the Premier League before with Chelsea. And um, for me, the, that's why he gets uh, he gets my uh, my bench nod. And then to start, I'm starting Laka. 
I know he's not the best striker like Pock said. He's not uh, somebody that comes out and scores 15 to 20 goals a year. But uh, he, he scores some important goals and he links up well with, with Aubameyang. So for me, I'm going to start him. Um, you know, for me, when I look at these two players, I'm like, immediately, I, when I see Pepe, I, I want to start him because, you know, he's young. And, and if you're Arsenal, you spent that, big sum of money on him 72 mil we're talking it's a lot of money and uh he you know when he when he arrived he was coming off a great season uh, with Lille and uh, he scored many goals and he linked up nice there with uh with the Kone so you know people thought he was gonna be the real deal and I still think he will be because he's I believe Pac correct me if I'm wrong I think he's 23 I think he's 24 23 24 he's around there he, yeah. and he hasn't even in his, hit his prime you know 26 27 is when you might hit his prime there so so I would definitely definitely especially with the money you spent on him I would start him and then you know I would get rid of Laka I would I would have to sell Lacazette and I'll tell you guys why because you know ever since Aubameyang you know came into the squad it, there was no doubt that he was gonna be that number you know the number one guy up top and you know this Pac from watching them week in week out he is their number one guy and I think it's been so conflicting having, you know, Lacazette and Aubameyang both in the starting lineup because they're traditional strikers. That's what they are. One's not a winger. The other's not a winger. So, you know, previous managers, you know, we've seen with, with Unai Emery, um, he, he tried to put uh, Lacazette up top and then he put Aubameyang out on the wing. And, and I didn't like that. I, I was looking at it and, you know, he didn't seem, to me, he didn't seem comfortable. He didn't seem like he was at his most dangerous there. So, so I would definitely get rid of Lacazette to just the conflict there. Um, and then I would bench Willian because, you know, you, you mentioned me uh, as a Chelsea fan. Um, I, I loved Willian and I was really shocked to see him go. And I thought he was going to stay, um, you know, shocked to see him go to a rival as well. But, you know, there's so many moments where I'm looking at Willian play in the, in the Chelsea, in the Chelsea kid. I'm like, wow, this guy is, is unbelievable. And he was at times and he just had an amazing right foot on him. And he was able to, you know, dazzle the, the fans there and, and show, you know, bursts of energy. And I think, and I loved him at Chelsea. And I guess maybe it was his time to go. And you know, he he'll be great for an Arsenal side that needs some of that experience. And um, like you said, he you know he he is fun. He's very spontaneous in his um, in his you know, the way he the way he you know puts impact into a game. He'll be he'll be impactful at one moment and then he'll be non-existent in the next. And that's what you're gonna get with William. You're gonna have to deal with that and live with that. So you know, with that in mind, I would definitely like him off the bench and you know he'll give you that energy and that boost off the bench. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have one quick question here for Pac. I, we got two questions left for for you, but uh, one one I want to ask quickly: um, How well do you think Arsenal is going to finish this year? Ooh, this is tough. This is a this is a tough question. I think we have the ability to get into the top four, and I don't think you know Manchester United. I think people thought that they'd be doing a little bit better than they are, and that they're and that they're going to do just because of how hot they were to end last season. But I think Manchester United still has a lot of holes. I think with our with our defensive record, how it's gone so far, we've signed Thomas Partey. We have a solid midfield. Abba's doing his thing up front. If we can get Pepe going, I think we can seriously push for that four spot. Um, it's Partey it's time. It is, it is Partey time right now. Um, one team I think a lot of people aren't giving enough credit to in their top four race, and it pains me to say this, but that's the Spurs because – I can't think of a team that has a more dangerous attack in the league right now mm-hmm. with Kane and Son and Bale's only going to get better as, as he gets more minutes. Um, so I think four is the goal. How confident am I that we get there? I'm going to say it's, it's 50%. I think us Spurs and 
I, I guess Manchester United are going to be battling for that fourth spot. Whereas you don't, you don't think Chelsea will be there or no? I, th- I think Chelsea's going to be third. I think okay. n- now that, now that uh, Mendy's solid in the back and Werner's finally gotten going and they just have so many options uh, attacking wise. And I think Chelsea will be a step ahead of us. Okay. I have a question here for you. Um, you know, your your Arsenal manager for for a day, you know Arteta sacked you in. Who would you sign when it comes to January transfer window? Who would you want to bring in? Who's one player that you would see fitting with the current roster and you know having an immediate impact? I mentioned before that that the creativity is the whole in our team, and I really really wanted uh, Usem Awar from from Lyon in, in the transfer window, and I really thought we we're gonna get that deal done. So I think he'd be the number one target. But, but another guy that I'm going to nominate here, and I'm definitely butchering his last name, but he plays um, for, for Red Bull Salzburg. And I think he's maybe 20 years old. He's Hungarian. And that's uh, Dominic Soboslai, I think. is, is Soboslai, I think. It's a hard name. I know exactly what you're talking about, name. though. But he is unbelievable. I watched this guy in the Champions League. Uh, the way he drives plays, he's got a fantastic shot. He can pick a pass. He, he looks like a prime Mezzurozo in, in the way he picks the pass. Just he's right-footed. So I think a guy like that, young, um, he can come into our team. He maybe doesn't have to start from day one, but he can be that spark. And he can really, really, as he gets better, um, build this team into a side that gets back to the Champions League every year. So it's between them two. Probably our, just because he's a little bit more proven. And I think we can finally switch to that 4-3-3 three, three that I – eventually Arteta wants to implement. Um, but it, it's, it's got to be one of those two guys, a creative midfielder. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool how you mentioned uh, Dominic Svolozai, uh, and I might be butchering his name as well. But, um, you know, I've seen him play, and he's got loads of potential. Very good on the ball, like you said. And, uh, you know, he can play out on the wing as a left midfielder or a right midfielder. And he also plays, you know, down the middle of the park as an attacking midfielder, as a central attacking midfielder. He's a big guy. He's got a big frame. I think he's around six feet tall. I've seen him play, and he's got loads of potential. And, you know, between him and uh, uh, Awar, you know, I, I'd probably have to agree with you and say Awar because, you know, he, he did loads of damage last year in the Champions League. And he just you see his talent on the ball. And, I, I, you know, Juventus also wanted his signature as well. So if Arsenal really wants him, they're going to have to spend a little bit more than they'd like because they're dealing with some competition there. Yeah, that's the thing. I think our is going to be somewhere around the 60, 70 million range, which I don't really know if we can afford at this time, especially we're still paying for Pepe because that was in installments and the party deal was 45, 50 million pounds. Whereas a guy like Sobosla is, I think he has a 25 million pound release clause. So I'd be triggering that January 1st um, just because of his age and, and he's a cheaper option. But honestly, I, I'd be thrilled with, with both signings. They're an absolute talent factory too. Like if you look at some of the players that have come out, that Salzburg system, you know, Mane is just one, com- that, one that comes to mind. And uh, Huang Hee Chan, he just was signed for, you know, Leipzig. Leipzig's just been, you know, raiding their entire team. So just, just overall a, an amazing system that they got there. Similar to that of my Benfica, but not as good. Benfica's got the best <laughs> in the world, I'll tell you that. So, yeah, after looking, that was all the games, all that happened on match day seven. We're just going to go look quickly at the, the, the table right now. We're going to do a quick little table recap just to see how the table shuffled down after match day seven. Uh, to start off at the top of the table, Liverpool uh, falls out on top with 16 points after winning again this week. 
uh, Leicester second, Tottenham third, Everton fourth, and Southampton uh, squeaks into Europa League right now in fifth over, surprisingly, Wolves, Chelsea, and then Aston Villa dropping down six spots from last week after after a loss. You have Arsenal. Got a game at hand too. Yeah, they still do have a game Arsenal's in hand. Got so. a game ahead, yeah. Mm-hmm. The yeah, Aston Villa has a game in hand, uh, so hopefully they can make up some 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 points there. And then you have below them, just mid table, you got Arsenal, Manchester City, uh, sitting at tenth. Manchester City also has a game in hand as well, so they can make up some points and climb with a win all the way up to fourth. You got Newcastle in eleventh with Leeds right behind them. Um, then you have Crystal Palace, West Ham, and United. United sitting in fifteenth right now again with a game in hand, so with the win they can climb up a couple spots. You got Brighton sitting in in 16th with their, after their uh, their loss to Spurs this week, and Fulham uh, just climbed out of relegation after beating uh, West Brom this week. So obviously that was a fantastic outcome for them because now they are sitting in 17th out of relegation, and then in relegation, 18th is West Brom, 19th is Sheffield, and 20th is Burnley. Burnley's um, absolutely terrible. They're terrible this year. They're yeah, terrible. all all three of the relegation teams are are still yet to win a game. So hopefully this week they can come out, grab grab the three points, and uh, get out of relegation quickly. Uh, yeah. Pac, I want to ask you before I ask Andrew, is there any surprises here? I know it's only week seven and there's still lots of soccer to be played, but do you see anything here that that really that really jumps out at you and surprises you? I can go with Andrew's dark horse, Leeds United. Man, they are fun to watch. They've what has it been, over a decade since they were even in the Premier League? Um, I think they're back. They're, they're here to stay. Um, you know, Bielsa's at the wheel over there in, in, in Leeds. And, and you got guys like like Bamford who are, are really coming along. And I think Rodrigo was a pretty good signing. Uh, they got Phillips there, the, the English international. So Leeds, Leeds are a good team. There's they're certainly no, uh, no step over. And I'm, I'm surprised with how success, how successful um, they've been so far. Yeah, like, don't sleep on my leads. That's all I gotta say. Don't sleep on my leads because they're they're gonna they're gonna be up there. Don't worry. And then you know Portugal international team, uh, aka Wolves. You know, I love that. I love watching them too because they're just an exciting squad. And you know my boy Raúl, my boy's there, uh, former Benfica man. So you know, sixth place right now, and I think they I think they could finish definitely. You know, in a Europa League spot, they just missed out last year. Super tough for them to you know miss out. Uh, but I think they'll be back in Europe next year. So on that note, we're going to move on to the, the Champions, League, Champions League recap. We're just going to run through all the games quickly and just discuss some of the goal scorers. Um, the first game was Liverpool-Atalanta. I think uh, many Liverpool fans or even Atalanta fans expected this to be a close game because Liverpool, obviously, with their centre-back struggles and injuries right now, and then Atalanta, looking back at last year, they were in fantastic form and they, they made a huge run in the Champions League. But Liverpool came out on top of this one 5 nothing, and three of those goals came from Jota. So, uh, like like we, we had already stated, Jota's on a fantastic run of form, making that seven goals total this year. And uh, he's looking to be a great signing for Liverpool. The next game we're going to look at is um, Manchester United versus... Sorry, Manchester City versus Olympiacos. Manchester City took this one 3-0, which I think was expected. And again, another another young uh, young signing that's that's in form right now is... You, you, wish, you wish that was United, that one 3-0. You wish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sadly, it wasn't United that, that, that grabbed a few points. It was City here. And another another goal from a youngster for Antoares, and then the next game uh, pains my heart from la, from la, last night. It was Manchester United versus Istanbul. I'm gonna butcher this. 
Bashakir, Bashakir. Bashakir. Say it five times fast right now, Daniel. Hit him with the Bashakir. Bashakir. I can't say that. It's awful. Bashakir, 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 Bashakir. That's pretty good, eh? Yeah. You want to give it a go? Pac, you want to give it a go? I just want to mention that I think Demba Ba's maybe 50 years old and, and he looked like prime Ronaldo against United. So instead of yeah, saying no. Bashashir five times fast, that'll be my little two cents for this game. Oh, God. Yeah, so uh, Demba Ba with the first goal there and he dummied the second goal too, which was uh, a very nice dummy there. But uh, just a, another sad result to see from Manchester United. They've been in good form in the Champions League, beating PSG 2-1 and then beating Leipzig uh, 5-0, which was a fantastic result last week. And then you come out against Istanbul. It's their first time in the Champions League. They've never won a game. They have any, they've yet to score a goal in Champions League, and then they come and they they stun you, uh, two to one. It was it was uh, very sad to see as from United uh, fan standpoint. Yeah, I saw Merton uh, Skirtle, the former Skirtle, Skirtle. Uh, I can't say his name, but uh, you know, former Liverpool man. He's like, it was the first time the uh, Istanbul had won in the Champions League. It's like, well, I wish you were playing United every yeah. week. If this is <laughs> the case, so this is just all the banter. You know, it's hilarious to see. Yeah, I'm hoping United uh, can uh, get their form back together and start winning some games again. Uh, the last game uh, from Champions League that featured the Premier League uh, sides was Chelsea against Stade Rene. Butchered that name too. Chelsea. Chelsea won this game 3 to nothing. Um, two goals from Warner. There was a red card um, in this game. It was a back-to-back yellow. Went to VAR. It was a handball that, like, for me was just... It was a it was an unintentional handball in the box, which Warner converted mate, a penalty. Mate, though. mate, don't be salty. It's okay. United lost this week. You know, I'm the, not salty. Chin up, chin up, chin up. It's okay. <laughs> Chelsea's just gonna keep the results rolling, and you know, it was a second it, yellow VAR. I, I didn't like it at all. I can't relate, bro. I can't relate to you, but yeah. yeah. When you when your team is coming out of beating Saturday, it's it's a good result. Um, so yeah, that was that was all the games from from Champions League, and then moving on to Europa League here. There was one upset, one big upset. Antwerp beat uh, Spurs one nothing, and uh, that's just a like you don't expect. I know we talked about this last week. You don't expect uh, these teams, these Premier League sides, to be yeah. losing to to teams in Europa League. Yeah, like like I was watching that that game, the Belgian side Antwerp. Um, and there's nothing on at the time, and I just I really want to watch Spurs play. And, and, you know, I saw they're going up against Antwerp. I'm like, oh, this could be an easy result. We mentioned in our in our previous episode as well. And I just saw how Spurs, man, they couldn't convert any chances. They had some chances, some great chances. Uh, and they just they just couldn't capitalize. And Antwerp, going forward, they look dangerous every time. You know, uh, uh, Embukani, uh, he, you know, he had a great chance back door, uh, you know, sweaty goal. And he could have finished and he skied the ball. And uh, they had another guy, their, uh, their left back. I forget his name now. But uh, he came down the pitch, uh, you know. Off a, off a great, great through ball, and he couldn't capitalize as well. He skied it, so it could have easily been 3-0 to Antwerp, and just a poor, poor result for Mourinho's Ben. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then moving on to the second game that happened in the Europa League was Arsenal against Dundalk. Uh, Pac, this was a, a good result for your, for your side, uh, beating a, probably a lower-tier team, Dundalk, 3 nothing. but uh, you still take the three points where you can get them because like, if you look at the Antwerp game, you, you don't always get the three points when you're expected to. Yeah, those those first thirty minutes uh, of those games, I I wanted to rip my eyes out. It was a, it was a tough watch. I'll, I'll tell you that we looked like oh we're seriously gonna gonna drop points um, to a team of this caliber. No disrespect to uh, to Dundalk, but we got it going just before halftime. We got uh, two goals, and then uh, second half comes back, and and Nico Pepe just shows what we paid that seventy two million dollars or seventy two million pounds for. Right foot outside of the box, right in the top corner. That's why I started him. 
you can't ask for a better goal than that. Um, you wish, you know, Greenwood, Martial, Rashford were of that level. Um, you know, three points nonetheless. And we're, we're back at it today, actually, with uh, another Europa League match. Yeah, and then we got uh, we got Athens uh, versus Le- Leicester. Leicester came out on top of this one, 2-1, which, again, is another expected, uh, expected results for Leicester, especially against a, a lower-tier Athens side. Uh, so, just, just, just before you go, sorry to interrupt you, Daniel. I want to ask Pac, um, you know, what are your ambitions as an Arsenal fan? Like, do you think they're going to win this, this whole thing, or do you think that they're, they're just going to, you know, care more about the league? Uh, the, I'd like to see us win the Europa League. Of course, um, but for me personally, it's anything to get back into the Champions League. When, when I first started uh, supporting Arsenal, I think I took the Champions League for granted. We finished fourth every year, and I just thought, like, oh, Arsenal's always in the Champions League, and now it's been you know, years and years since I, I watched a, a game on a, on a Tuesday or, or a Wednesday. So uh, I, I definitely miss being in the Champions League. Um, Last season was so, so disappointing with, with the Europa League, how, how we lost to, to Olympiacos. Um, personally, I'm, I think I'm more passionate about the Premier League, uh, especially because we play rivals like United and, and I get to come on here and, and banter barbs when we win. But, but I'd say I'm more passionate about the Premier League. I think that should be the priority, getting in the top four. But a trophy is a trophy and I'd, I'd love to see us uh, win, win Europa this year. You're out here bantering me about uh, about United, but we're playing games on Tuesday and Wednesday, and you're out there Thursday night yeah, late. We, we also have games. Unai Emery as our manager just 12 months ago, so I think you can cut us a little bit of slack there. A little bit, but you don't get very much, especially after you guys beat me this week. I can't give you that much uh, that much slack. All right, so that's all for today. It was you know great to have you on the show, Pac. Um, you're always welcome back. Um, this is this episode of Gunners Partey was a great one, and um, you know, I'm Andrew Mello. Alongside with you, as always, is Daniel Barbuda. We'll see you guys next week. See you guys. Peace.